So, Fola, come here. Yes? What's going on with financial markets? There's going to be a lot of money on it. There's going to be a lot of money on it? Yes. <laughs> we hope so. That's it? Yep. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's installment of Money in the Middle podcast. I am really, really, really excited to be on episode four, which I can't believe because it means that we have effectively finished out the month of January. So 2022 is starting to shape up to be as quick as 2021 and 2020. So, uh, Stay tuned in. Our topic today is just the overall state of the financial markets, the consumer marketplace, and uh, what that means for Main Street. So as we stated, our uh, topic today is really kind of a temperature check for current financial markets and what that means for the consumer marketplace and for you, uh, the people on Main Street. Uh, It's an exciting topic for me because it's always good, in my opinion, to connect the dots between all of the millions of different things that we see going on on a daily basis between uh, Federal Reserve meetings, you know, geopolitical uh, situations that are, are occurring, you know, but all of those, the stock market sell off, the Bitcoin and cryptocurrency market uh, kind of sell off, you know, just an overall market correction. Right. And these are things that we see constantly in the headlights and in the headlines on a daily and recurring basis, but too few, uh, not enough, if you will, uh, do we see or are we able to directly correlate what that means for the consumer markets, uh, which is you and I, our ability to buy and you know sell goods and services on the marketplace on a daily basis. You know, a lot of times those things can be really talked about in very uh, macro levels or, you know, from a uh, national standpoint or point of view. But what really matters is how it affects you, right? You are the person who wakes up every day at whatever time you do, drop your children off at school, go to work, work eight to 10 to 12 hours a day, um, or, you know, in, in today's environment, working from home after dropping the kids off from school, going back home or to a remote office. And you're, you're earning the income. And it, it seems like what you're earning uh, is just not enough, right? Especially as in, as inflation continues to to uh, lift this ugly head and, you know, it, goods and services begin to cost more and income and salaries are generally 
still pretty stagnant, you know, despite the many different pushes to raise the minimum wage, etc. And we'll do a we'll do a topic specifically on income, uh, the minimum wage, uh, income inequality and middle class, etc. I do have some some pretty good thoughts on that, uh, as well as some, you know, I'd like to get some folks opinions on it. Right. Uh, Because it is such a hot topic. But uh, what we want to understand is what we're seeing in the marketplace right now. Uh, what we can kind of project or what we can kind of um, foreshadow for what we're going to be seeing in the very near and distant future. We're going to talk a little bit about the interest rates and, you know, uh, the FOMC uh, committee meeting that took place over the last couple of days, a press conference and things of that nature, you know, and where my goal is that we are able to really drill down and connect the dots for you and I, the consumer and the, you know, the regular American. So I am sure just as I have, most people with responsibilities uh, have been out in the marketplace and you're starting to see the cost of goods and services go go up. One of the main or one of the most talked about cost increase that that we generally see is the cost and fuel, you know, and fuel for your car. And there's a lot of different factors that go into uh, fuel costs, you know, so there is the commodity of of uh, oil and gas that's that's always been a pretty a volatile industry anyway, you know, and folks and our, you know, the, the investors and the people who trade those things are finding ways to profit from that volatility or from that constant uh, uncertainty within that marketplace. And but for you and I, the consumer, you know, when we go to the, you know, so I'm in Delaware, just to kind of preface it, you know, I, one of my uh, colleagues and friends in California, you know, it, it cost us about uh, generally a little bit the same to fill up our cars, right? So for me, it cost about $45 to fill my uh, tank, you know, 13 gallon uh, engine, you know, 13 gallon uh, tank. And uh, that's, you know, the gas here is about $3 and 25. No, about three and a quarter uh, to, you know, at a high, you know, we saw 3.79. And then in places like California and New York or or even, uh, you know, Chicago and things of that nature, folks are seeing gas prices at the pump six, seven dollars. Right. And, and it makes you really wonder, right, gone <laughs> Side note, gone are the days where you could go to the gas station and say, hey, let me have five on pump 10, right? Because $5 is, you know, that's, you know, if you're in New York or California, that's barely, that's just under a gallon for some people, you know, and and how far can a gallon really get you, you know? And and to kind of add on to that, you know, with the gas prices, we're also looking at, the cost of food, you know, 
Uh, it, it's funny because uh, someone had a joke. I think I, I want to say it was Cat Williams who had a joke where he said, uh, you know, you went to the grocery store and uh, the whole chicken was was six dollars or five dollars or something like that. The chicken legs was four dollars, five dollars, but the chicken wings was twenty dollars. Right. And it's like, you know, do did they stop making chickens or it, are the wings you know, uh, not a part of the chicken, you know, it, the same chicken that folks are paying the, the six, seven dollars for when you buy it whole. Right. You know, and, and you really start thinking about the cost of food, the cost of, you know, uh, living products and cleaning products and um, and uh, supplies and, you know, laundry detergent, you know, the things that make our lives simple and uh, and easy, right? Uh, the prices have gone up, and, and a lot of that is due in part to um, to due in part to supply chain issues. You know, there was a, a bunch of different supply chain management issues with trying to get freight. Uh, freight is how things are shipped overseas and and nationally from one state to another. You know, so trying to get freight. And, you know, shipping cargo and those things from country to country, you know, from supplier to uh, to distributor. And as a result of that, we have seen mass inflation. Right. And inflation is a monetary uh, indicator of increasing prices and things of that nature. Right. So but who's affected? by these things. And I think that that's what's really important to kind of uncover. So I was listening to the JP Morgan, uh, JP Morgan Chase stock market sell off um, kind of kind of uh, analyst talk today, if you will. And, you know, one of the things that really stood out to me was, you know, the sentiment of most of their target targeted conversation was around investors in the marketplace. Right. And when I say investors in the marketplace, I'm not talking about the, you know, your Robin Hood guys or, you know, the folks who have the free stock programs or or different platforms that you know, main street or regular people use, but we're talking about people who actually have the resources to make a significant shift or significant rips in the market. And, you know, obviously JP Morgan Chase is a very large organization and those, that is the bulk of their clientele, folks who have very significant wealth that, you know, would like that, that have a vested interest in, the movement of financial markets, whether up, down or otherwise. Right. Because, yes, there is a way to make money when the market is down. Uh, but that's for another segment. Right. So <clears throat> what. But what surprised me, well, not really surprised me, but what I think concerned me the most is that while there was such a focus on the folks who are the market movers, if you will, or who, who are considered the investors within the marketplace, because let's just be honest, there's a subset of people 
in the country, uh, no matter what race, background, religion, creed, etc., that just don't participate in the stock market. But you do they do participate in the everyday goods and purchases and of goods and services. Right. You know, and when you think about financial markets, a lot of uh, investors are, you know, a lot of companies have uh, increased in revenue or increased in value. Uh, some companies have decreased in value and that seemed to really be what their focus was, you know, oh, well, you know, um, you know, we, we've seen a lot of investors or, or, or people, you know, looking at these different alternative views, but they should really look at the, the valuation and the, the corporate earnings and the da da da. And don't get me wrong. Right. When I was in the, when I traded and was in the financial markets and when I was in the financial markets, my investment strategy has always been either market neutral, meaning uh, investing in the same the same asset class going both ways up or down or and when when I look at charts and things of that nature, my my number one goal has always been fundamental analysis. And in fundamental analysis, it basically looks at things like earnings, uh, corporate earnings, quarter over quarter, you know, projections and things of that nature, while also uh, looking at the historical strength and uh, stability of the company overall. You know, and I, I think that what what happens too often in the financial markets that affect everybody else is that there is a, a, a constant focus on just one sector or one segment of the people, which are the investors, right? And, you know, obviously, as an investment advisor, those guys, JP Morgan or, you know, Wells Fargo, Merrill Lynch, etc., their goal is to help their clients be more comfortable within the marketplace, right? Because they, they sell securities, they sell uh, investment advice, etc. But what happens in the marketplace affects people on Main Street, right? When a big, when a company like Walmart fails, right? Which, you know, it's almost, un, it's, it's unheard of, but they said that about the Banks and Lehman Brothers and all that back in the day. So we don't rule it out. But if a company like Walmart, Target, BJ's can't keep their stores stocked or, you know, they, they lose value and, and, and uh, can't maintain their balance sheets or, you know, the things that make investors put money into those uh, holdings, you know, it is the people on Main Street who, by and large, suffer the consequence, right? Another example, a perfect example, actually. When you go the dollar store, right? Dollar Tree is, is, I think it's called. Dollar Tree, yes. I go to Dollar Tree for a couple of reasons. One, I have small children who earn a little bit of allowance, you know, a couple of dollars here. And Dollar Tree has toys that they can go in and buy buy a toy um, for a dollar and feel like they've done something, right? But two, also for, don't judge me, judge yourself, right? But also for things like uh, birthday cards, Christmas cards, gift wrap, things of that nature, right? Little stuff that I am personally not vested enough to spend a whole bunch of money in, right? I live in Delaware, which means that we don't pay sales tax on most things, right? Uh, 
So if you were to come to a dollar store in Delaware, you could effectively pay $1 for that one item. But now, because of the inflationary atmosphere that we that we are in and the constant uh, instability and uncertainty, the Dollar Tree has had to increase their 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 prices by 25 cents. Now, for most people like myself or, you know, most uh, duly employed people, right, meaning you have not duly gainfully employed people, meaning that you have sufficient employment by the grace of God to take care of all of your needs and most of your wants, etc. Right. An extra 25 cent at a place that you don't shop at too often anyway, it's not a big deal. Right. But there is a there is a portion of the population that I'm going to the, that says I'm going to the dollar store because I have five dollars and at the dollar store I can get a loaf of bread, a pack of bologna, uh, some mayonnaise or whatever. I can get a cup of noodles or, you know, you know, you know what I mean? You can get basic some basic survival things uh, very quickly from the dollar store. Right. For just a dollar or, or less. That 25 cent increase now limits generally what that person can get. Now you're at least one item short of what you could have gotten otherwise. Right. Because, you know, if you get four items now, that's a dollar twenty five. That's your whole five dollars. Not to mention if you're in a place like Pennsylvania or what? Let me get even more granular. If you go just up the road to um, Glen Mills, where in, in PA, which is about 10 minutes away from me in Delaware, which I want to say is Delaware County. And, uh, you know, where where the sales tax is six percent. Now you've got to pay five dollars plus six percent for less items. Right. So it, it, it's truly been a, uh, a monstrous effect on Main Street's ability to get the basic needs, the basic goods and services for everyday life. But it doesn't stop there. Right. Uh, I use something as simple as, um, you know, going to the dollar store or, you know, if, if one of the big box companies were to go out of business that most people get the goods and services from, you know, as an example of uh, the inflationary effect on regular people, not just not investors, not even not even honestly the gainfully employed. Right. But um, we're talking about. Uh, folks who are just making it right people who are in the middle that's just making it you know the ones that get hit on top of the head by uncle sam and then get by on every way right you you earn the income it's taxed you spend the money it's taxed <laughs> they the, the 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 person who receives the money it's taxed right so you, you know uncle sam the, the the people who generally are affected the most by all of these different uh, financial outcomes within the marketplace, right? But let's talk about living, the cost of living, right? With the onset of the pandemic, more people are working from home, etc., etc., etc. I know we've heard it. I know you guys are tired of hearing it. So I'm not going to go too deep into with the uh, as a result of the pandemic, right? As a result of the pandemic, I know that everyone is tired of hearing that crap. So. 
Let me just get right back to it. All right. What we have seen in financial markets is an increase in cost of living from the actual dwelling in which you live. The rents in most markets are going up. You know, uh, rents are going up. The cost of purchasing a home is going up, you know, more house, uh, you, you know, less house for more money. And, and you know, uh, Maya, the realtor and I uh, kind of touched on this a little bit a few weeks ago in our real estate conversation. But, you know, the, the cost of an actual place is going up and not to mention not for nothing. Right. The rental assistance. Uh, etc. As you know, with all of the money that was being printed and uh, the breaks and all of those different things that that happened during pandemic, um, got some folks accustomed to not paying the rent or uh, being assisted. And now that those things have gone away, it's time. It's just about time to face the music, right? So what does that mean? It means that people who were not paying their rent and who, who weren't using that money to kind of stack up or at least put away for a rainy day. Um, at some point, you know, and, and some point very soon, you know, I, I don't want to predict it because, you know, you hate to see people out on the street. But it's a fact that, you know, most judges don't put people out or don't allow for evictions to happen, you know, during the, the winter months as as uh, as readily as uh, during the spring and summer, um, usually, especially around like the holidays, most judges will tell the landlord, hey, you you fly a kite and have some compassion for a little bit. But, you know, we're we're going into February now, guys, folks, people, we're going into February, which means that within a couple short months it's going to start to get warm which means that all of those uh, kind hearted judges, you know, aren't going to have you know, they may not necessarily be so kind. Right. And they and you we may start to see an increase in evictions for um, an increase in evictions for for renters. But what's happening subsequently or uh, correspondingly, if you will, is that we're starting to see increase in evictions with an increase in rents also. And landlords are becoming increasingly more scrutinous when it comes to choosing their tenants. Right. You know, and, and look, I get it. You know, everyone had you, you, you we're all in the in this economy to help each other to an extent. But also at the end of the day, you've got your family that you have to take care of and you have your responsibilities that you're on the hook for. So I get it. Right. hundred percent. You know, uh, I'm just I'm really just giving you guys the state of the marketplace. Right. So with increased rents and increased scrutiny, uh, scrutiny on hiring or, or bringing on new tenants, um, where are the where's everybody else going to go? Right. Where's the one who's who's barely who, who's just underemployed enough to not qualify for assistance. Right. Or to not qualify for different programs. Where do they go? Where do they go? Right. And the reason that I bring this up is not a is is not a, uh, you know, complain or whine. It's really, you know, for folks to start thinking about it. Right. You know, and then uh, with the cost of housing going up, you know, I think that 
the uh, with the increase in the conforming mortgages or the conforming mortgage amounts, I think that that was absolutely the best way to um, kind of make it continue to be sustainable for folks to be able to purchase a home uh, within respective areas, right? Because there are some places, you know, it doesn't matter how much you try, right? If you wanted to buy a house in New York City, you can forget about two, three hundred thousand, right? Five, six, seven hundred thousand and up, right? And, and you know, with FHA limits and conforming loan limits, uh, the way that they were over the years, it, it had to increase because the, the cost of living and the cost of those houses are going up and you don't want to, uh, you don't want to uh, completely box out a, a subset of people or a group or an economic demographic because that's really on this podcast, we're not looking at the race or, well, we may go into some of that, uh, you know, because it does play a part. But the number one focus here is that we are an economic demographic. Now, we break it down based off of where folks are within that economic demographic, but that is our, our focus. And it's the economic demographic that we are looking at to determine, um, you know, where they're going to go. How are they be able to afford uh, homes. How would they be able to afford down payments and things of that nature? So I think that the conforming rate, the conforming loan increases was appropriate. So I know what you're asking, what you're going to, what you're thinking, right? Ron, what are the solutions? How do we solve this? You know, we've all seen what the issue is and we all see what's going on but how do we how do we actually fix it and the honest truth to that question is I don't know right I don't know how we fix it at scale I think that um I think that with the way things are, the way things have been and the way things are going, it may be time for we, the people, to to, to start to look at um, how we can kind of take control of what we can control, you know, and take control of our lives, right? Um, and I, I think that's really, that's really going to be, that's really going to be the most crucial part, right, of how we fare within all of the uncertainty that we see, right? You know, now some folks, it depends on who you ask too, right? If you ask the Democrat, hey, what is, uh, how do we fix inflation? Oh, well, we need to increase wages for everybody, or wages, 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 right? And then if you ask the Republican, oh, well, you know, we need to, uh, minimize our tax burden on the people so that they're not getting um, blah, 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 right? And I think what we are, what we've begun to forget about is what we talk about, the, the middle, middle ground, both and. You know, I think that the only way to really solve the economic disparity, if you will, or the economic woes of folks in the middle is both increase wages and decrease taxes. You know, if I'm not going to get into the debate about 
taxation and all of that stuff. That is, if you want to talk about that, call me one off and we can have that conversation individually, right? You know, but I think it's important for us as an economic demographic that we start to look at our situation rationally and uh, most importantly, with compassion, right? I absolutely agree that with, you know, with what we're seeing, the increase in prices, etc., that wages should go up. Um, you know, who's who's who should be responsible for increasing that? I don't know. That's not that's not a, a conversation for this for this uh, for this podcast. Right. You know, but I do think that increased wages would definitely help. But I also think that decreased taxes or a, a more lenient tax uh, on the people who are in the middle with the increased wages plays a very, very strong part in combating inflation and combating the inflationary environment that we're in. Why? Because generally, if you just increase wages, well, employers are going to adjust the cost of goods and services, hmm? are going to adjust the cost of goods and services to cover their wage costs. Right. But if you increase weight, which which this allows for employers and businesses, which they should. Absolutely. Right. The more you have to pay out, the more you, you have to charge. Right. But the way that you balance the scales, if you will. Right. For the employee. Is that, yes, you are going to get increased wages and yes, generally that may cause an employer to increase the cost of the goods and services they sell. Mm-hmm. But we're going to reduce the tax burden on you, Mr. Employee, so that you now have more discretionary income to tackle that increase in goods and services, right? It's not, it's not perfect, but it's a solution and it's a viable solution where everybody wins. The challenge is we live in a zero sum society right now where it's winner take all or, or uh, one side versus the other side. What is the people in the middle? It's like you got these two different parties that are always fighting, but it's the people in the middle who are getting trampled on, or that's the battleground, right? And that's not fair. I mean, come on. Right. But life isn't fair and I get it. But if we really want to govern as we the people doing what's best for we the people, hmm? you know, yes, increase the wages, but decrease the tax burden at the same time. Because if we the people really say care about the things we say we care about, like roads and schools and all of that, I lie, I lie about the, you know, all of the tax havoc. Oh, what about roads? What about roads? <laughs> what about schools? You know, those things people, if you care about those things, you will find a way to fund them. And we don't need, we don't generally need someone to tell us to mind the things we care about. A parent doesn't need somebody to, well, a good parent doesn't need somebody to tell them, oh, your children need to be fed every day. I mean, a a good parent will look at that kid and say, hey, you know, you're hungry. You need nourishment. We want you to grow strong. We want you to go grow healthy. And if that parent is gainfully able, 
they're going to make sure that that kid eats every single day without someone or some big figure or someone else coming to tell them that that's what they need to do. What's my point? My point is, as we look at the financial markets, as we look at the inflationary environment that we're in, as we start to look at the geopolitical landscape where things just seem a little bit uncertain, start to think and ask yourself, what can I do to control what I can control and to contribute to my community, my society and take care of my family? Right. Well, friends, this has been quite the animated episode, <laughs> but I thank you for joining. And uh, I, I, I am very curious to hear your thoughts, you know, hear your comments. Feel free to send us an email, shoot us a note with your thoughts, shoot us a video, uh, not a video, an audio uh, comment, you know, and let us know your thoughts on the matter. And maybe your, you know, we'll, we'll upload it to the podcast and maybe we'll be able to get you on. Uh, Until next time, thank you for joining. This has been Money in the Middle Podcast.